For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the LMU Basketball Podcast here on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm your host, Jesse Cass, and as always, I'm really excited to have you here as we are on our fourth episode of the LMU Basketball Podcast. And if you've been listening along this whole time, we appreciate you coming back. If it's your first time, very happy to have you here as well. Now, you can find us anywhere podcasts are available, Apple and iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, Spotify, and iHeart. Uh, as we said, we're really excited to have you here on the Believe Podcast Network, Los Angeles's number one sports podcast network, the only place with a show for every team in L.A. and more. We believe in our L.A. teams. Do you believe? Welcome into the show, everybody. Once again, Jesse Cass here with you for another episode of the LMU Basketball Podcast here on the Believe Podcast Network. As we get going in episode number four, we've got a great guest upcoming, a friend of mine, Taylor Walker, who played on the LMU Lions basketball team in the 2012-13 season. Uh, He also attended the same high school as me at Santa Monica High School. Uh, He has a great story uh, in what was a very interesting season and the very first season that I was traveling with the team and doing play-by-play. I'm in year seven now, so it was a a really exciting and odd season, but uh, Taylor, as a walk-on, ended up becoming a starter on that ball club and uh, part of one of the more remarkable conference tournament runs that I've ever seen. Uh, So that's really interesting to hear, so we'll get to that in just a few moments. But as we like to do at the beginning of the show, want to get you caught up on what happened in the past week of LMU basketball as WCC play continues. LMU, as normal during conference season, two games this past week, one on Thursday, one on Saturday. Lions were back home after a two-game road trip against San Diego and Santa Clara. So they were back home to take on the Pacific Tigers and then on the road to take on the BYU Cougars. So a home road split. Uh, and for the Lions, uh, it went the way of a victory at home and a loss on the road. We'll start it off with that victory at home. As I mentioned, they took on the Pacific Tigers, and it was a defensive masterpiece by the Lions. They allowed just 42 points in the ball game, held Pacific to just 31% from the field, ended up winning that game 60-42. to And it was the continued strong play of, of course, James Bateman, the Lions' senior leader who led the way with 20 points, but also the freshman Damian Douglas, second straight game that he scored over 15 points, and Matias Markison uh, doing his usual work inside with 13 points in that game. But as mentioned, it was the defense, just incredible defensive effort from the Lions, just 42 points. Uh, so it, it was a, a really nice win for the Lions and uh, one that you know I enjoyed calling. And uh, you know as an announcer, it's one that uh, I had a little bit of trouble with. I was, I was dealing with the sinus infection, so hopefully that didn't come through too much on the broadcast for those of you that listen. But uh, I was happy to keep my consecutive streak game going and continue announcing as I have through, as I mentioned now, almost seven full seasons with the team, trying not to miss any games. So uh, kept that streak alive and 
you know, this sinus infection wasn't quite as bad as the one time I had food poisoning right before a trip down to San Diego and pretty much uh, announced a game on a diet of saltine crackers and ginger ale. So this wasn't quite as bad as that, uh, but it was not the, the easiest game to announce. Happy the Lions made it a little bit easier with their fine performance. So that was a lot of uh, fun to get through that and, and watch that team win. And then, as mentioned, the Lions uh, packed their bags. They made it on the way to Provo, Utah to take on the BYU Cougars in what is always a daunting atmosphere, uh, the biggest arena in the conference by far. Uh, most others are around four to 6,000. This is an NBA-sized arena. Really, the capacity around 18, but been told for the really big games, they've been able to pack that thing over 20,000 at some point. So uh, it wasn't quite that full, but still, NBA-sized arena. They had it about three-fourths full. So, you know, you know, a total of around 15,000, 16,000 there to watch the game. And, you know, the first half of play was really dictated by LMU. It was their pace of ball game. It was 26 to 23 at half with LMU in the lead. Their defense, as it did against Pacific, was really holding steady and holding strong. And then in the second half, BYU, as they often do in that arena, just got a couple of shots going, got momentum going. And then it kind of snowballed from there where... Uh, but was a 6-0 run, became a 10-0 run, became a 12, and eventually uh, a 15-0 run for BYU, which kind of broke the game open. LMU did fight back, and as they always do, uh, had a strong fight to keep themselves in the ball game. Uh, but it was not enough. They ended up dropping that game at BYU 67-49. to And uh, it was the first time in James Bateman's Lion tenure, his uh, one-and-a-half, almost two-plus years at this point, where he was held scoreless. So, you know, credit BYU for a lot of that, obviously, with their defensive game plan, but simply just an off night for James, 0 of 8 from the field. Um, but there were positive spots, as always. Ivana Lipiev, the freshman who's a very talented player, came in late, had seven points in just about eight minutes. So he was a bright spot. We saw Peter Herman get some minutes. He had a three-pointer, which is rare for him. Matthias Markson also hit his first three-pointer. But Lions will regroup, as they always do, and get ready for, you know, another split of home and road coming up this week where they'll host San Diego, a team they lost a close game to a week ago, uh, and then they'll be back on the road to take on a Portland team who sits in last place, winless in the conference right now, but that's as dangerous as always. You know a team without a win is going to be so hungry, so we mentioned it, and, and we'll continue to mention it, but every single game in conference uh, can't be overlooked. Everyone is going to be tough and challenging, but they're all there and all winnable for the Lions who Four and five in the conference right now, 16 and seven overall on the year. So, still an excellent mark for them. They're tied currently for sixth in the conference, but they're just a half game back of San Diego, who they take on again this week. So, they have an opportunity to jump right back with them. And they're only a game back of a tie for third, as San Francisco and St. Mary's are tied for third right now. So, this, the standings are still so tight and jam packed that uh, every game is important. Uh, seven more games remaining in the regular season before we hit the conference tournament uh, early in March. So a lot of excitement upcoming there. Lions still in a great standing, uh, and we'll, as we like to do, we'll keep you updated as the season goes along. But 16-7, and seven, as mentioned overall, 4-5 and five in conference play. And uh, as mentioned before, we have a great guest for this week. Taylor Walker talked about his accomplishments becoming in, from a walk-on after being a, a junior college transfer to a starter to a key con key contributor on a team that had a, a very miraculous run after what was a 14-game losing streak all the way up to a battle with Gonzaga in the conference semifinal of the West Coast Conference Tournament. 
Uh, a lot of fascinating stuff here. I think you're really going to enjoy my conversation with Taylor Walker. So here it is, Taylor Walker on the LMU Basketball Podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. All right, I'm here. I'm now joined by my guest, Taylor Walker. He played for the LMU Lions in the 2012 and 13 season, uh, and he was also my uh, my classmate at Santa Monica High School. Taylor, thanks so much for coming on the show. Oh, thank you, Jesse. I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, and Taylor, um, obviously, we'll we'll get to your time at LMU. Uh, you had a, a really, you know, it was a really odd but exciting season uh, that you were a part of. Um, but obviously the team this year is doing really well, 16-7 uh, and seven on the year. Uh, how much have you, have you been able to follow the team and follow the success that they've had so far this year? Yeah, I mean, I've been um, keeping in touch um, throughout the, their season, and um, I know they started off really hot. Um, and, you know, as, conference, as we're you know nearing the end of conference play, um, I think they have a great opportunity to make some noise in the WCC tournament. Um, and, you know, I, I think that, you know, the, the team has been clicking, um, especially this season, and um, I'm really excited to see what they can pull off um, in the upcoming tournament. Yeah, no, they've been really exciting so far this year, and mentioned you were part of an, an exciting team, but before you got to LMU, you had to go a route that, you know, some players have to go through. You dealt with an injury and then had to go the junior college route. What was your journey like to get from high school to that to then LMU? Um, well, if I could sum it up in one word, I'd just chop it up as adversity. <laughs> um, so, like, you know, coming out of high school, um, I didn't get that much exposure. We were at a very small school, even though uh, Santa Monica is a big school publisher in terms of, like, student, um, you know, how many students that they have, student population. But, you know, we were a very small school um, basketball-wise, and so it was hard for me to get exposure um, and so I ended up going to junior college at Fullerton, um, where they were number two in state at the time that I went. Um, and so the next following year, we um, we didn't make it as far as we did the previous year when I initially got there. Um, but in the meantime, I suffered an ankle injury. Um, it didn't really give it time to heal. So what ended up happening was... Um, you know, I, I did get any looks, but one of my assistant coaches was good friends with Jason Levy, who was the assistant coach at LMU at the time, and um, he made the introduction to me. And um, you know, I'd gone through. They 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 offered me a walk-on position, and um, you know, during that time, I was just going through rehab. I had an ankle, I had surgery on my ankle to reconstruct those some ligaments. So, you know, between you know the injuries and you know, I always I was not really where I wanted to be, but I knew that I, you know, was confident in myself to, I, that I could play on the next level, so um, it, it ended up working out in the end, but it was definitely a long road of adversity to get to that point. And, and for you, you obviously mentioned you had to, to go there as a walk-on. Uh, what's that like, the mentality that you have to have? We know that, you know, playing on the D1 level is tough enough, but for a walk-on, you're often overlooked and you really have to grind as hard as possible. What was that like for you and your experience as a walk-on? Well, um, it was definitely challenging, um, as you mentioned, like, just to give, like, some examples, like, um, you know, my first year, I had to, you know, essentially become a team manager, um, and, like, help around, like, some administrative, uh, like, the administrative aspect of the team, and initially, before I even could try out out for the team and and secure my welcome position, and I guess, 
you know, that was their way of seeing how serious and how committed I was to the actual process. So I ended up doing that. And while within that time, you know, Anthony Ireland was our star player. Um, he was a freshman at the time and I, I befriended him. And so as I was, you know, you know, um, earning my stripes, uh, just so I can get my foot in the door, I was still, you know, working out and practicing with Anthony, hanging out with him every single day, learning what uh, he, you know, what he knew from the, about the game um, and tried to, like, you know, use that motivation and try to get as good as he was um, to, you know, just kind of catapult myself and, you know, just working out and getting better. Um, and then, you know, I, I got faced with so much adversity, whether it was not being able to travel with the team, um, you know, not when, especially during the NBA lockout when a bunch of guys like Kevin Durant, Paul Pierce, you know, Meta World Peace, all these, you know, guys were coming to our gym during the lockout to do open gym. And because I was a walk-on, I was never allowed to play with them, only the scholarship guys. Um, so obviously a lot of that stuff kind of weighed on me emotionally. But, um, you know, at a certain point, you hit this, you hit, you get through this obstacle and then you just stop caring so much about, you know, all the adversity that you're going through and then you just go out there and play. And, and then once I found that mindset, I became... I became able to play more loosely, which I think helped improve my confidence and not worry about messing up so much, um, especially given the, the very, very uh, limited opportunity that I had. And so I think from there, that's what allowed me to, you know, play freely, do well, and then get the coach's attention to let them know that I should definitely be playing. Yeah, and your story is uh, that whole season was just kind of a, a very interesting one. You guys dealt with a lot of injuries. You went through maybe the the craziest losing streak ever a 14 game losing streak but seven of those were by four points or less um and then you ended yeah. the you ended the season on an incredible high in the conference tournament we'll get to all of that stuff but for you you got the opportunity to, to work your way up as you said get the coach's attention and become a starter as a walk-on so what led to that role of becoming a starter and and how did you kind of run with that and become a key contributor on that team Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, so, like I mentioned, um, you know, going into my senior year as a walk-on, like the previous, my junior year as a walk-on, I played a total of like four minutes or seven minutes the whole season. Yeah. So, going into my senior year, I just was under the mindset that I just didn't care anymore. <laughs> um, so, you know, every single practice, like, I would just go hard and just like, at that point, it was just about getting a good workout in. <laughs> um, but I, there was a pivotal moment when we were on the road trip in BYU where, um, Chase uh, Chase uh, got, went down with an injury and um, you know I had to fill and we were getting smacked by like 25 30 points or whatever at BYU and that's one of the toughest places to play and there was like about three minutes left and um, the coach put me in since you know Chase had went out and we needed to fill the spot so once my number was called I remember like the second play uh, well just being out there alone was like kind of like nerve wracking just because it was my <laughs> first time on that setting against a team like that but for some reason I just didn't care so like the I remember I think it was like the second play I went to the basket real hard and like got fouled and still made the layup and for an and one and um, I remember like looking at the bench and everybody was going crazy especially uh, you know the assistant uh, Chris Farr shout out to Chris Farr because um, I mean, he obviously saw like all the you know adversity that I went through to get to that point and so make a long story short that road trip um, we ended up going to Moraga to play St. Mary's after that 
and that's when the that's when Coach Good put me in in the first half, um, and that's what that was like crazy because obviously now here we are in another hectic environment, and now they're putting me in, in the first half. And my goal at that point was just to be solid, you know, not try to do too much, not try to play outside of myself, uh, just play solid. And I had the confidence going against Anthony Ireland every single day in practice. Um, I knew that he was the best guard in the in the league in the conference. So if I can hold my own against him, then I should be fine out there. Just just at least be solid. And so you know, I did my thing out there. And then next thing you know, game by game, um, I started to get more confidence. I started to you know find more ways to be effective out there. So I'm just not a place filler, but somebody can actually attribute to the game. And um, I ended up starting like I think it was five games before the conference tournament I ended up getting the starting position and um, and then yeah once we got to the conference tournament we really felt like we had an energy that we had nothing to lose and we knew that we were better than most of these teams like you said we we lost a lot of these victory I mean these um, uh, games by no more than like four points and so we knew that we could beat these guys it was just a matter of executing and putting a whole game together and so yeah we went out there and we took care of business and we were able to turn it around um and you know playing four games in a span of five days is really tough no matter what sport you're really playing so yeah i think fatigue and this the fact that gonzaga was coming in such a powerhouse it was a little bit too much for us in the end but it was definitely still good it was still a good run to um you know remember no question and for those that you know aren't familiar with that ball club in that season uh, we mentioned the losing streak that kind of led into the conference tournament but as you mentioned and alluded to you know, you beat portland the very next night you beat san francisco in overtime the very next night you beat santa clara by two and then the fourth night so four nights in a row you got to play you play gonzaga who's the number one team in the country at that point and it was a one-point game at the half before you guys ultimately lost by by 17 but just the the gamut of emotions from a couple weeks prior to that like that mired in that losing streak to that moment where you're in a one point game with Gonzaga. What was that like? That turnaround and the emotions of that uh, happening for you? Oh man, uh, it was. I mean, it was amazing. I honestly, you know, I, I can't. It's hard to describe it because you know you you feel such a you know adrenaline rush just like minute to minute, second by second, just like being out there, knowing who you were matched up against that uh, the next game, just having that confidence. I remember a key moment where we were all staying at the, uh, man, I'm forgetting the hotel where the uh, where the, the games were held. Oh, the Orleans, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah say that again? The Orleans Hotel, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, the Orleans Hotel. I remember we were, um, uh, no, we were actually staying at the Palms at that time. Oh, that's so, right, like, the team, I, yeah. <laughs> That, um, we knew that there was a couple other teams in staying at the same hotel. So I remember when we were downstairs go, waiting for the elevators to go up, uh, like half of Santa Clara's, half of the players from Santa Clara's team were um, also waiting for the elevator as well. We all ended up taking the same elevator up. And just like our energy compared to theirs was totally different. It was such a contrast. Like we were out there just like super loose, like joking around with each other and stuff like that. And they were just like in there like very serious and stuff like that. But deep down in our hearts, we knew that like, you know, we weren't afraid of them. We weren't like, we could definitely beat them. We had just knocked off two teams. So we were on fire and then we could just feel the tightness for them. So, I mean, it was all just a magical experience, even playing against Gonzaga. I mean, we, we didn't fear anybody at that point. So, you know, it's just a, it's just amazing what a little bit of confidence can do, and 
just like one thought if we can do something and how that can transpire into us winning three in a row. Yeah, and you had obviously that team was coached by by Max Good. Um, what was it like to play for him? I know that just being around you guys, that you know, such a, a colorful guy, great coach, and you know, he had all of his sayings and everything. He could be very intense at times, but also pull back. What was it like for you as a player to play for him? And yeah, what was that? What was that experience like for you? Honestly, like I love Max. Um, he he can be definitely erratic at sometimes, and like <laughs> he can say the most off the wall things that I never even could articulate myself. <laughs> But, I mean, at the end of the day, like, all Max wanted to do was win. And, you know, having coached uh, Karan Butler, like, he comes from a school of hard knocks. And so, you know, if you, like, for me, I was able to understand what, I I was able to take the message that Max was trying to articulate and just, you know, from whatever he said and however he coached, I would take the message of what he's actually trying to say opposed to listen to the actual words that are coming out of his mouth because they can be <laughs> insane at sometimes. Um, you know what I mean? Or, or, like or all the expletives. You know, once you look past all that stuff, you know, the guy uh, knew what he was talking about and he just wanted to win really bad. But, you know, he, he's a great guy. He's a great basketball mind. And he, the guy knows everybody um, in, in the basketball world. Um, you know, he's just really well known and well respected around, um, you know, the college basketball world and, and some of the pros. So, you know, he's, um, it was definitely a great experience. I, I learned a lot from him. Um, but yeah, he definitely helped me become, you know, a tough player. And, um, you know, he definitely pushed me to, you know, become the person who I am today. Yeah, no, that's great. Yeah, Max was, uh, you said he had some, some crazy funny sayings, but yeah, he was always, uh, you know, great around all you guys in the locker room. So, you know, it was, uh, that's really good stuff to hear. You mentioned your relationship or the, the challenges of going against Anthony Ireland every day, but you guys became great friends in that process. And what was it like just going up against him every day and, you know, both you guys challenging each other to get better and then, as I said, kind of developing that relationship in the process? Um, I mean, he was like a brother. Um, that's It was just like a brotherhood. Um Basically, you know, in the very beginning, and keep in mind, like, I came off an ankle surgery, so uh, my sophomore year was my redshirt year, and I didn't really get a chance to go against him that much because I wasn't really getting the much, as much reps. Uh, same thing with junior year, you know. As being a walk-on, you, you have to, like, if, it's, if you're not on the white team, you know, the, the coaches sub you in, you know. Once you get your opportunity, you got to make the most of your opportunity, basically. And, you know, my junior and sophomore years, I didn't really have that opportunity. But my senior years, when I actually um, went against him on a, you know, daily basis, the first couple of months were a complete hell. I mean, you know, there would be times where I couldn't even dribble the ball off the court, you know, because this dude is just, he's low, he's low to the ground and he's really strong. I think his strength is what uh, people don't talk about enough. Like, the dude could never be uh, pushed off balance. But ultimately, you know, me getting my ass kicked, excuse my language, like, <laughs> actually helped me get better really fast. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, and also just watching him, you know, I, I spent the first two years, like, on the bench is like really focused on, you know, you know, helping him see things that he might not see when he's on the court, you know, watching film and stuff like that. Cause at the end of the day, I want him to be successful as well. Um, and so, you know, I learned so much from him, um, you know, off the court, but the majority, like I, I attribute my, you know, 
the talent in my game that I've gotten that I still have today just by going against them every single day. I mean, it was literally a dogfight. There'd be times where we actually literally, you know, threw blows at each other. Obviously, we like made up right after, like that same day after practice. But that's how intense our battles were. Just because, like, you know. Uh, you know, I, I respected him. He respected me. Like, I was going to play defense. I didn't care who he was. He didn't care who I, who I am. He's trying to kill me. I'm trying to kill him. So, you know, it was definitely that environment, that competitive environment, I think what, is what drove us to be so, uh, to be, for me to get better. He was already good. Um, but that, I think, translated into when we started actually winning um, because we were just on the same page. We, had to, we knew we had each other's backs. And, um, yeah, that's just, you know, how it, that's how it is, and we still, have, I think we'll always have that relationship and that bond just from that. Yeah, and as you said, that's that's kind of how you get better. You play those guys that are as tough as they are and just challenge yourself every day, and it, it obviously, you know, showed in your game in that senior year when you are able to just contribute at a high level uh, coming off, you know, becoming a starter after coming off the bench. Right, I mean, like, I literally, literally have no choice but to get better. I mean, I, I'm not even playing with you when I couldn't even drill up the, I couldn't drill the ball to <laughs> the court, you know? Um, and just like you just have to learn how to adjust and learn how to you know just figure it out and you know by him being so good you know me figuring it out against him is, is puts me a lot years ahead if I were to figure it out against somebody who's just like a mediocre player in the conference um, you know what I mean so yeah of course yeah it definitely helped me a lot yeah and, and you mentioned you really got that senior year your first chance to you know, get some minutes and, sh- you know, show your opportunity at BYU. That's obviously such an, a daunting environment. Um, is that the most memorable place that you played, or is does something else stick out as far as the arenas that you played in uh, that were the, the best atmosphere, the coolest place to play? Uh, what sticks out in your mind in that aspect? Um, well, I definitely would say... Spokane at Gonzaga. Yeah. Um, that's definitely the craziest place I've ever played because literally while you're sitting in the in the, in the tunnel waiting to come out, like the, the students are jumping and they're so loud that literally all the walls and the ceilings are shaking. And so that was that was pretty awesome. Plus a little funny side note, um, <laughs> the there's a student website that. Um, for Gonzaga, where they go to the, they go through the post the the social media of the opposing uh, teams' <laughs> profiles, and they pull stuff that they try to use against them to get in their heads. Well, me being a walk on, thinking that I mean, at this time I wasn't at this point I wasn't starting up, but I was still getting. I had like significant minutes. Yeah. But like on the website, they had went through my Facebook and found some old modeling pics that I had taken <laughs> before I even got to college. And they had blown them up, and I saw, like, first I saw uh, Quan, one of the team managers, showed me the website, like, where they were going in on me. And then, like, I actually saw some of those pictures blown up in the stands while I'm, like, warming up. So it was definitely, uh, that experience alone was definitely very memorable. Obviously, BYU was awesome because that was my first chance to, like, just show something. Um, but there was also no other feeling like being in the West Coast tournament at the, uh, the Orleans Hotel and, um, you know, being able to play um, with that confidence in that setting. Um, it, it was just it was just an amazing experience. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it, it's, it's hard. It's hard to, like, I mean, I cherish, like, being a walk-on and having very limited opportunity, I cherish every single one of those moments, but definitely in Gonzaga and obviously didn't see 
Nike um, would be the the best gyms, the most memorable gyms for sure. Yeah, no, no, no doubt about it. Those are obviously some of the the top places to play. And and Taylor, obviously, this is my my seventh year now with the team, but even so, I still think our or at least my worst travel fiasco took place in the year that you were there, so you would probably remember this, but played in the Great Alaska Shootout, and then do you remember how bad it was to get back to L.A. from that Alaska oh tournament? Oh, my goodness, because we had to, like, stop in Seattle or something like that, and then, like, some people's flights got, or they, I don't, I don't know, I don't remember how it happened, but I remember we ended up staying there, or some people stayed there for, like, six hours. Uh, it was it was just bad. I, I, I yeah, that was terrible. Yeah, no, the, the and, and we took L's that that tournament too. On top of that, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was all bad. And no, it was I, we were coming back from Alaska. We were flying. I said to Seattle, and then we got diverted to Portland. Had to land, then took off. Had to like fly around for an hour to burn fuel, and then landed in Seattle where all our LA flights were already gone. And then yeah, like came right. came back through like Orange County. So yeah, it was a, it was a whole mess that whole trip. I remember that specifically because. Oh, I think you saw it on my face. We were sitting next to each other on one of the flights, and you were just like, it's going to be all right, man. We'll get back eventually. Yeah, yeah exactly. I mean, uh, you know, when it's, always, it's always darkest before dawn, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no doubt about it. Um, Taylor, uh, what are some of the things you got going on now? Obviously, uh, your playing career is behind you, but uh, I know you've done a lot of great things, and you know, you've still hung around the university a lot, but what are some of the things that you're working on now? So right now I'm a residential developer, so um, you know, I'm working on a couple projects right now, actually in the Westchester area, close to the LME campus, um, and basically I, I buy houses and then I renovate them and then I put them back in the market. Um, so I, and I've been doing that for the past two and a half to three years. Um, prior to that, um, I've been, I created a board game with my dad, um, and I launched it during when I was getting my master's degree. Um, at LMU, and we did a Kickstarter for it, and then raised some money. And so, uh, once that once I got off the ground, I switched gears and got back into uh, got into real estate. And um, I've been doing it ever since. I love it. Um, we got a couple of projects coming to market right now uh, that are finished that are wrapping up as we speak. And um, yeah, I'm just trying to you know increase my knowledge in this space. And it's funny because I, I use the same exact. Uh, not techniques, I want as well, the same discipline. Like, I feel like basketball has taught me so much in life in general. Um, just, you know, having structure, time management, um, you know, just, you know, being confident, being systematic about how you, you know, go about getting better. And I've kind of applied that to this real estate thing because it's, it's almost the same piece. You know, it's one of the hardest things I've ever done. Um, but it could be, it's definitely rewarding. So um, as of now, yeah, that's what I'm, that's what I got going on. Yeah, no, that's all. That's all great stuff, and uh, you know, thanks again so much for coming on. I, you know, gotta say, as I said, I've been doing this now for for seven years, announcing the team, and still your your story of working your way from walk on to starter is still one of the best that I've seen in my time here. So it's uh, you know, it's always good to catch up with you, and really cool to to share that story with with the LMU faithful who don't know it. Yeah, no, I really appreciate you, Jesse, and um, it's also awesome that like us, you know, going to growing up together, going to the same high school, being from the same city. It's always awesome to see, um, you know, like uh, like like family. We're basically like family. We've known each other for basically our whole the greater part of our lives. So it's always awesome to see, you know, a, a piece of home when you're, you know, at LMU or a new environment. So 
Yeah, I appreciate you for being along with the journey, man. You were definitely part of it too. Yeah, yeah. no question. Um, as I said, you're always welcome on on this program anytime. And yeah, we'll definitely uh, catch up some other time soon. But yeah, thanks again for coming on the show. All right, no problem. Thank you for having me. So that was Taylor Walker once again. We thank him so much for taking the time and joining us on this episode of the LMU Basketball Podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. We want to thank you once again for tuning in. As always, as we said at the beginning of the show, if you could rate us five stars and review, that would really help us as we keep this show growing. Uh, We've had such great and positive feedback so far. Really appreciate you guys listening and enjoying the show. Feel free to send me any questions or thoughts or comments about LMU Basketball, and I'll be happy to answer them here on future episodes of the show. So you can do that. Uh, on my Twitter at Jesse underscore Cass. That's J-E-S-S-E underscore K-A-S-S. Uh, you can do that on Twitter, and I'll be, as I said, sure to answer them on the show here. Uh, before we let you go, I want to remind you, LMU, two games upcoming this week, Thursday, February 7th, 7 p.m. You can listen to me on the broadcast on KXLU 88.9 FM and LMULions.com. And also the game versus Portland on Saturday at Portland, once again, 7 p.m. on February the 9th on that Saturday. You can hear me again on KXLU 88.9 and LMULines.com. So thanks once again for tuning into this episode of the Believe Podcast Network. Know while you're at the Believe Podcast Network, you can take a gander at some of the other shows on the network as well. Uh, it was a tough Super Bowl loss for the Rams, but be sure to tune into Matt Baker's Rams podcast on the Believe Podcast Network to hear him break it all down uh, for the Rams who will surely try to get back and continue their success after what was a great season but a tough loss um so tune into that tune into the uh nba lakers clippers podcast with ryan hollins here on the believe podcast network and just take a look at that page of believe.com b-l-e-a-v.com so many great shows and new shows upcoming uh want to let you know about those there's a lot of great content on there so be sure to follow that and follow us uh, as we said uh itunes stitcher google play TuneIn, spotify and iheart also find the show at Believe.com and on Twitter at Believe Podcasts. And be sure to follow me on Twitter as well at Jesse underscore Cass. Also be sure to follow Taylor Walker on Instagram at T underscore Walk 5. Uh, we would thank him again for coming on the show. We thank you again for tuning in to this episode of the LMU Basketball Podcast here in the Believe Podcast Network. LA's number one sports podcast network and the only place for the show for every team in LA and more. We believe in our LA teams. Do you believe? We hope so. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.